diving into data. Diving, di diving, d data. Diving into data with T.C. Riley. Hello, hello, hello again, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Diving Into Data. I'm your host, T.C. Riley, Big Data. How are we doing out there? Are you hanging in there? We're on into February, second month of 2021. Things are still, I, I, there's been some craziness in the stock market and some other things, but I'm still thinking we're off to a good start in 2021, so uh, feeling good about it. Today, I have a very, very esteemed and special guest. For those of you that have been listening to Diving Into Data for a while, you might remember him as my old co-host. And for those of you who check out any of the awesome content MarketScale creates, you hear and see him all the time. Mr. Tyler Kern is joining me today. Hello, hello, TC. It's good to be back, man. Yes, sir. It's good to see you, bud. Happy to uh, be doing this. Real excited. I'm excited as well. And for anybody that does consume market scale content, you see and hear too much of me, but um, I'm excited. Not in the diving into data crew. We miss <laughs> you, man. It's, uh, I miss being here. I miss I miss our chats. People get tired of listening to just me stand on my soapbox and monologue to them all the time. So we're going to add some personality to the mix this week. So Well, we're going to add something. I don't know if it's personality, <laughs> but we're adding something. But I'm happy to be here, man. This is going to be a blast. But we're excited to bring Tyler. And the reason I specifically asked Tyler to join me this week is it's been a while since, again, those of you listening to Diving in Data for a while know that one of our favorite kind of segments and topics is the wonderful world of sports. And with the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, we are going to do a Super Bowl special episode. So I needed a co-host and a co-pilot to navigate the murky NFL waters, and Mr. Kern was uh, willing and able to join me. So with that, why don't you go ahead and grab a drink, sit back, relax, let's dive into some data. Alrighty, so for our Super Bowl preview, it's diving into data. We can't just dive right in. We're not a talk show, radio, you know, uh, talking head. So we're going to get to the Super Bowl predictions. Tyler and I are going to talk out the game a little bit and see what we think is going to happen. But we obviously got to start with some data first. And one of my favorite things to do every year at this time of the year, um, really when any season's ending, especially the NFL, but even I do this with the MLB, NBA, other ones, is to look for crazy stats and outlying stats. You guys know I'm a data guy. I'm a stats guy. And one of the fun things to do is to really evaluate the season. Once it's actually complete, everything's wrapped up. It's no longer just a small sample size. You got a full season under your belt. What are some of the really interesting things that really stuck out? So got two articles we're going to reference here. One's from thecomeback.com, literally called Crazy Stats from the 2020 NFL season. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Hard to get more aptly named than that. Yeah, that's literally I typed in crazy stats for the 2020 season NFL, I think, and it came back with that. So we're pretty close. Um, the other one's a radio.com article. Um, it was a 2020 NFL season, one interesting stat for all 32 teams. So we're going to cherry pick a couple of those that we find um, particularly interesting. But we're going to run through, through some really interesting NFL stats from this year. So with that, let's go ahead and dive in. Let's see. The first thing we're going to start on here. Um, is actually King Derrick Henry. That's where we're going to start here. And there were two stats on this list, both from Derrick Henry. The first, he became only the eighth player in NFL history to rush for 2,000 plus yards. Quite an accomplishment, incredible to do. And another one, he had as many 200-yard, two-touchdown performances. So one game, 200-plus rushing yards, two touchdowns. He had as many this season as any player has ever had in their entire career. That's a pretty incredible season. And the one that the reason this sticks out so much to me, again, you look at Derrick Henry, nothing should really surprise us what this man could do. That picture of him and Mark Ingram at that national championship game where he looks like he could eat a Heisman winner. He looks like a transformer. It, he, that's like, I, I Optimus think Prime in human form. 
I think that might be underselling it a little bit, to be honest. Optimus <laughs> Prime is cool, but I don't know about Derrick Henry cool. But one of the reasons this really sticks out to me is if you follow the NFL at all, and we're going to hit on a bunch of other stats here, we're going to get into passing, passing, passing. It's a passing league now. They've adopted the college game. Everyone's just throwing it all over the place. Um, there are plenty of folks out there who will tell you that you should never run the ball. You should pass it every time, first, second, third, and fourth down. But it's interesting to me that the Titans, who have had pretty successful years the last two years, they haven't won the Super Bowl, haven't gotten the whole way there, but have had really good years compared to where they were kind of the prior decade, to be honest. They've actually been doing it on the back of Derrick Henry. But I, something that I think is even more interesting and more important to point out is the argument for balance in the NFL. And that is that, yes, Derrick Henry's on here. If you notice, I didn't mention Ryan Tannehill in any of these stats because he didn't have necessarily have any ridiculous gaudy numbers. That was Derrick Henry. However, the only reason he can really do this is because of Ryan Tannehill. If you remember back a few years ago when Marcus Mariota was the quarterback, they had Derrick Henry. They had a pretty good line. Um, they should have been able to do stuff like this. He wasn't doing it. Well, it's because, yeah, because they had 10 guys in the box because Marcus Mariota throws about as well as my grandmother does. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. Good quarterback. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but it doesn't really do it. So, I mean, Ty, your thoughts on why the Titans have been able to be so successful while they've been able to kind of combine adding Tannehill into the mix and then having the transformer in the backfield? Yeah, like you mentioned, it's it's balance and it's being able to do things that even when the defense knows that you're going to do it, you're able to pull it off because you have the talented players to do so. So that, you know, when you when you run Derrick Henry into a full, you know, box of uh, of a lot of defenders, he's still able to pick up yards and that's frustrating for defenses, but then they leave themselves open to single coverage on the outside and when you have big guys on the outside like AJ Brown, like a Corey Davis that can win one-on-one battles, you end up in this position where um, you know, play action can actually be effective and Tannehill can be accurate enough and uh, do what he needs to do through the air to keep you honest on the ground. And so it, that balance really does work out. And you saw a lot of different times for uh, for multiple teams where the I think the Seahawks are a great example, a team that should have been more balanced than they were. They were too reliant on Russell Wilson in a year when everyone early on in the season was talking about Russell Wilson for MVP. I think they showed that there are limitations to what certain players can do. And if you're going to be one dimensional, you have to have a, you know, contender for greatest of all time quarterback as your guy that's going to do it. And on, on the flip side, if you're going to be one dimensional as a running game, you're going to end up like, I don't know, uh, uh, maybe Minnesota from this year or something, yeah, something like work. that, right? Yep. Like teams that could run the ball really well and were overly reliant on their running game, but just didn't have the same balance through the air. That's where you end up. But if you're able to strike that correct balance with the right athletes, like the Tennessee Titans have been able to do, then you have some success and you make it in the playoffs and you make a little noise. I could not agree more. And I think you hit the I think you said it like three or four times in there and the word balance. I think that's what it comes down to is no matter how much, um, another one of these cool stats I'll throw in here. It was the most offensive season in NFL history, not in terms of politics or anyone saying nothing nice. No, I the am most offended. offensive. Yes, exactly. Oh. Well, there, I'm sure there are people where we're not going down that path today, <laughs> but 49.6 points per game. Um, one of the top all time, 5.6 yards per play tied for the top all time and record breaking low 20, 2.6 turnovers per game, not 26, 2.6 turnovers per game. So it's a heavily, heavily offensive league. That's a shift that I see um, as not really changing anytime in the near future. It truly is turning into more of an offensive league. Again, rules have been uh, kind of dictated this. Um, we're about a decade or so into the 
um, receivers can kind of do what they want and defenders can't touch them era of NFL football, um, and it's fully taken over. But that balance at the end of the day is always going to be important. You mentioned the Seahawks as the counterexample. I'll throw in, unfortunately, my good old Pittsburgh Steelers, who sure incredible start to the year. They had a little balance at the beginning of the year. As the year rolled on, they were having Big Ben chuck it every time. They had no running game, and that's what ended up killing them because uh, whether it was a long passing game, whether it was a short, quick, you know, horizontal passing game they like to do, if you can pretty much put four or five people in the box and have, you know, six, seven defenders standing around the outside for to cover both the short and long passes, well, you, you, you're going to be limited in what you can do. So that balance is key. And uh, moving on here, there's another one that um, really stood out to me and kind of two stats that went together um, and something that I, I I'd kind of anecdotally noticed, but I'd never really paid much mind to it, to be honest, but it's really fascinating. And punting is disappearing. And so there were an average of 7.4 punts a game um in the this year which if you have no context 7.4 punts you know okay so one per team per quarter give or take um 7.4 is low but just how low that number has never been below 8.4 so we are a full a full punt per game below what the previous record was wow nuts that's crazy no one's punting and the reason why again the the tie-in stat here nfl teams went for it 66 percent of the time on fourth and one so on fourth and one two out of three they went for it to show you the trend of that, since in 2012, that was down at 35%. Back in 2017, that was up to 44%. 2019, it was up to 57 So you can see the kind of exponential curve we're on here. Now we're up to 66 in 2020. It's trending in that direction. And again, I, I, this is a stat I actually really like because this shows that teams are really using analytics. There are very, very, very few times when the numbers aren't going to play out that on fourth and one, you should go for it. Um, again, a very unique circumstances where that's not the case. You're on your own goal line, you know, backed up to your own end zone, or, you know, it's an end of game situation where you're going to pass up a five point lead for a, or something like that. But in general, people are going for it and that makes the game more exciting. And I think that ties in with the most offensive, um, strategy. Again, the numbers kind of point out how you can optimize that defense is a little bit harder sometimes with the data, because there's not necessarily um, it's much more reactive. Obviously, the defense is reacting to the offense every play. The coverages are a reaction to the formations and what the offense is doing. So it can be a little trickier to pull out some of the trends. But the one thing we see is it's an offensive boom, and people are going for it. They're, they're putting it on the line and running with it. Yeah, and like you mentioned, with defenses being reactive, I think that that has – I think maybe more and more coaches realize that and know now that they want to take a more attacking posture with their offense and thus put other teams under more pressure and use their offense almost as a defense, right? And um, using their offense as a way of not just, you know, scoring points and pushing other teams back, but like if you're playing the Chiefs, I don't feel like you are able to play your game offensively because you're not allowed to be patient. You're not allowed to run the ball because you were scared that in 2.7 seconds, <laughs> Pat Mahomes is going to somehow manage to put up 27 points and immediately, will. yeah, and and he will <laughs> because it, we've seen happened all last postseason. It happened against the Bills. They were down nine nothing early in the game, and like if you blinked, if you went to go heat up some hot pockets in the <laughs> You know, in the microwave, you came back and it was what twenty-one to nine. Yep. Uh, you know, before the end of the first half, it, you know, 
teams are able to be aggressive and to use that aggress- aggressiveness. And that's shown by the fourth down statistics, you yeah. know, of not wanting to give the ball back, wanting to use their offense as a way of keeping the other team's defense on the field, keeping the other team's offense off the field, but also putting up points in a way that forces other teams to keep up and maybe takes them out of that balance, like what we talked about offensively earlier. You can take a team into a situation where they have to be one-dimensional because they feel like we're going to run too much clock if we just run the ball here. We've been forced into a one-dimensional scenario, and uh, and that plays right into uh, in, into the hands of a, of a team that is willing to be more attacking on offense. Yeah, hey, the best defense is a good offense. Keep uh, and it, it's really cool to see the way that again that the NFL has truly transitioned because I think the narrative of defense wins championships is is kind of going away because yes defense is important we have a couple stats we'll call out where if, if you're terrible defensively again it, it goes back to balance you, you can't be terrible but you're starting to see the super bowl um you know contendies each year are more in the top of the offensive rankings than they necessarily are at the top of the defensive um of course always exceptions to that rule but um it, it's a changing league and it's an exciting league and it's uh it's a good time to be an nfl fan it's a good time to watch and uh, the one other thing i'll throw out there is again it's really good to see coaches adopting analytics and driving for things like fourth and one Mm -hmm. um when they realize because they're seeing the numbers and i also think that we finally reached a point where the narrative has changed too i think for realistically for almost a decade now at least the last five years the numbers have said you should be going for it but again as you saw even back in 2012 so eight years ago um, nine years ago now, I don't know what year it is. Oops. Um, <laughs> a third of the time they're going for it. We've doubled that to two thirds of the time. And I think it's also because the narrative of change, the national, the media, the fans, where they understand the stats, they know the numbers say to go for it. So now, whereas 10 years ago, oh, he's being too aggressive. You're being reckless. You know, the, uh, the talk shows the next day, if you didn't make it on fourth and one would all be, how dare he make that call? You know, you didn't trust your defense, yada, yada. Now you hear that same thing when a coach doesn't go for it. Again, we just saw it, Matt LaFleur um, in the NFC Championship. The down late, um, knowing that they might not get the ball back, you have arguably, um, well, actually, no, literally the second highest single passer rating um, season in NFL history quarterback and Aaron Rodgers back there, and you kick it, and you don't get the ball back, and you lose. And I, I know, and that'd be fair, I think theirs was like fourth and goal from the eight, which the number, I don't even know what the numbers exactly said, but... Um, the expectation of everyone watching that game and a lot of the narrative after was, oh, well, he should have gone for it. A decade ago, no one is ripping Matt LaFleur for not going for it on right. fourth and goal from, the, again, five plus, whatever it was. Um, so it, it's an interesting time. It's an interesting season. So, All right, well, let's keep rolling here, getting into our second one. We're looking at these interesting stats for teams. So, um, again, there are 32 stats. I kind of I encourage you to go check this article out. There, I learned some things about teams maybe I don't follow as much and pulled out a little things, but I want to highlight a couple that stands out. Um, the first one I'm going to hit on, uh, again, as those of you who listen to the show know, I- I'm a huge Steelers fan. I kind of like the Cowboys. I kind of like to make fun of the Cowboys. That, you know, if, if you live in Dallas and aren't a massive Cowboys fan, it's kind of fun to torment those of the, uh, those our friends and colleagues who are. Um, but Dallas Cowboys were one of only three teams in NFL history to give up 30 or more touchdowns at home. <sighs> 30 or more touchdowns. So my entire point to this is, I am so tired of every radio station around Dallas that I listen to as a big sports radio listener telling me how um, really the biggest issue is if Dak hadn't gotten hurt, man, if Dak just hadn't gotten hurt, they were going to, they're, they're in the Super Bowl. They tend to forget the whole one and three start with, you know, barely that one being a, a squeaker against Atlanta that um, without a watermelon kick doesn't happen. Um, but uh, it, it, 
no Cowboys, you're, you don't have any issues on offense. Yeah. Your offensive line could use a little bit. Yeah. Zeke maybe isn't quite what he was. Of course you want Dak back and Dak was having historic numbers before he got hurt. Fix the defense. We just talked about it's an offensive league. And I mentioned you don't need, you know, you're going to be near the top of the offense when Dak comes back, you're going to be near the top of those ratings, but you can't be dead last. You can't be one of the worst defenses. Um, and before I get your take on our hometown Cowboys here, Tyler, one other thing I will throw out, um, kind of ironic. Again, I mentioned Cowboys were only one of three teams in NFL history. Well, weird enough, they're one of two this year. The Detroit Lions also joined them in this prestigious honor of giving up more than 30 touchdowns at home. Um, so it's a bad year for the folks who host uh, Thanksgiving games. Um, bad year to be there on, on the defense side of the ball. Yeah, bad uh, bad year for D-Towns that yeah. host Thanksgiving games. Yeah. A lot of similarities there. No, um, one of the things I wanted to point out about this was that you know, it, and and I know that we've talked about this on diving into data in the past, but you take what the data is telling you and you know match that up against other sources of information that you have, be it an eyeball test or uh, common sense, anything along those lines. And if you watched the Cowboys defense this year, they were just as much of a train wreck as that stat indicates. And so this matches up. This, <laughs> this matches up. No, but th- there was a really interesting article in The Athletic that Bob Sturm did on the play of Jalen Smith, middle linebacker for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And... He got four coaches who coached at all different levels of football, you know, defensive coordinator at the high school level, college level, that sort of thing, to comment on a few different plays of his. And a a consistent theme that kept coming back was that this is a defense that is not well organized. Nobody seems to know their role. Nobody seems to know their job. And so that also plays into the eye test, right? The, The defense clearly did not know what they were supposed to be doing under Mike Nolan for the Cowboys and it bore itself out in the statistics. So uh, sometimes those two things marry together perfectly, the eye test and what the data tells you. And in this case, uh, yeah, it does. Wasn't good. (laughs) What what was not, was not pretty if you were a Cowboys fan, but uh, yeah. And when you you were watching the Cowboys again, uh, the fact that the fact that we got a new DC next year is not going to be a surprise to anyone. Um, again, I, I think there's an equally valid argument for the folks that point at Jalen's play and other stuff like that. Again, it, it, sometimes stats can be misleading. Again, I think Jalen's fifth finished in the top five in the NFL in tackles. I'm not sure you could take any actual real talent evaluator, stick on the film, and say that anyone would put him in the top half of starters in the NFL, much less the top five. Right. And however, again, then it comes again. This is why, again, there's lots of data points. You have to consider all of them. You have to consider the narrative. You have to sometimes broach outside of the data, look at stuff because I'm not willing to say it was entirely Mike Nolan. I'm not willing to say it was entirely the players, but there was a clear disconnect. And when there's that much of a divide um, between what theoretically should be happening and what the players understand should be happening, what the players do, and then the actual result, when all those things are almost in different buckets, yeah, you're not going to have a good time. It's not going to go well, and you're going to end up with some ridiculous stat of giving up 30-plus touchdowns at home. It happens. It does happen, and also when you allow the uh, Cleveland Browns to rush for like 350 yards against you. and In the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. If there was a bright spot, it was Trevon Diggs' uh, rookie. Yeah, uh, he, he's going to be just fine. Rookie he's cornerback. Be, yeah, he got yeah, burned yeah. a couple of times uh, first few weeks does. of the season. Every rookie does, uh, but he he seemed to learn from mistakes. And uh, that's a good thing. He had some interceptions at the end of the season, which the Cowboys don't get enough of as it is. There's always going to be that rookie learning curve. But, man, the more I go on, as much as it pains me as a Longhorn to say, man, those guys that come out of Alabama, they they know what they're doing. They they, They're coached so well. And even when they make the little mistakes, they learn. They have It's not even just the 
technical you know abilities that they have coming out of Alabama. It's the understanding of the game and how to continuously learn. Mm-hmm. Um, against a Steelers fan, Minka Fitzpatrick. Every time I watch him, it, it, every play you can see him getting better almost in a way, and it, it's nuts. And ugh, God, I hate it, but it's so frustrating because <sighs> in, in some ways, some Alabama players are so well coached coming out of college that they end up overrated because their athleticism in the end like doesn't keep up with like their football knowledge right right so they get to the nfl and they might not be fast enough quick enough but they were good enough in college simply because they were so well coached absolutely and so well drilled at that level that they end up flaming out in uh in, in the nfl and it's like oh well that alabama guy didn't make it what was wrong with him it's like nothing like he, he overperformed expectations in yes. college it was almost you're almost penalizing him for um his being on a really good team and it didn't it doesn't hurt when you know, yeah, that middle linebacker is only so-so, and he isn't a great NFL player. He's a second-round yeah. pick. Well, yeah, and the two guys that were standing beside him at Alabama are probably more talented than the core he might have had in the NFL. Right, so. right. How many Alabama guys are going to get drafted in the first round? What, seven? Uh, yeah, like that's, that? that's the last I saw. That two wide guess. receivers, quarterback, probably a linebacker. Uh, uh, Patrick Sertan, there. for sure, uh, as a defensive back. That's six. Yep. Yeah, he's another one that, again, yeah, Diggs was good this year. So, mm-hmm. and, 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 I mean, with his lineage, too, certains. I mean, it, yeah. uh, you know, the whole your dad's name carrying it on. And <laughs> your dad was a heck of a player. And yep. uh, everything I see, you are too, son. So, all right. We're going to move away from the depressing uh, Dallas Cowboys to a. Uh, uh, I still can't. Uh, I was reading this stat. Um, a couple of receivers who are doing some really good stuff stuck out to me. The Tennessee Titans, we mentioned A.J. Brown, um, joined some elite company with uh, 2,000 yards across his first two seasons. One of the uh, very rare folks who's able to do that, but he wasn't the only one this year. Washington football team, still have to catch myself and try and get used to that. Um, Terry McLaurin, uh, Scary Terry, did an awesome job, joined that club too. 2,000 over the first two seasons. Really cool to see that. Another wide receiver one that stuck out to me. Um, and we saw it on display up until this uh, previous weekend. What Stefan Diggs was able to do in Buffalo, um, him and Josh Allen are going to be a problem for years to come. Uh, I, I I always thought Diggs was good when he was in Minnesota. I always thought he benefited from playing across from Thielen. And I thought that kind of when he went to you know become the number one in Buffalo, especially it, you don't think Buffalo receivers typically. You have to go back to you know the Andre Reid days or whatever to really think of. Um, good Buffalo receivers. I thought, eh, it's gonna be cold. He has a quarterback who's iffy at best throwing to him. I'm not sure he's a true number one. That sounds like a mistake. Boy, was I wrong on every front there. I think that there there was no indication that Josh Allen could do that. I, I think the highest completion <laughs> percentage in his career up until that point was 59. percent That's including college playing at Wyoming. Exactly. And so, and, like, there was no indication that all of a sudden Josh Allen could just. Become the, he had the physical MVP tools, candidate. but yeah. we'd seen plenty of quarterbacks that have the physical tools. We've seen Jamarcus Russell and other guys of that course. have the crazy cannon arm, that have a ton of athleticism, just not be able to put it all together. So I don't think anybody can reasonably say they saw this coming from Josh Allen, where he went from a quarterback completion percentage of 58.8% in 2019 to 69.2% in 2020, nuts. which is an insane jump from a guy, again, who had never done that in his nah. entire career. I think that beat all of his completion percentages even into high school, but I think a huge part of that is adding a guy like Stephon Diggs, Diggs right? Like that's, that, that has to be just a massive part because it's not even as though their running game was incredible. Josh Allen was probably like the person on the ground that scared you the most if you were an opposing defense. Yep. And so 
I really do think the addition of a guy like Stefan Diggs, who then just pushes everyone else down a rung on your depth chart. So now your guy who was number two last year, maybe Cole Beasley, yep. who would be your second option, is now the third option and is now more often going to be covered by a linebacker. And now you look at a guy like John Brown, who has always been a dangerous player but never put together maybe the consistency. Now instead of relying on him to be your primary target that gets open, now he's pushed down a rung and now he's your number two guy. And you have a guy with the reliability of Stefan Diggs who can go out there and get it done game in, game out. I mean, it made a massive difference. It was nuts. Again, the, the Bills was, you know, I, I I saw Josh Allen making a leap. Got him both fantasy leagues, a little humble brag there, but did not expect that. I, I, was, yeah. I, was, I was hoping for, you know, a, a top 12 season of where I picked him. And uh, both leagues had him and went staring me in the face. And I went with uh, Allen and both of them. And I think that one worked out decently well for me. But, Josh Allen was on 17% of uh, fantasy teams on the ESPN uh, platform that won their league. The second highest of all quarterbacks. Justin Herbert's the only quarterback who was on more winning teams. Yeah, and that one makes sense because that was a mid-year pickup for a lot of people. Because yeah. until that doctor in San Diego and that little needle incident with Tyrod Taylor. H. Um, oh. Until then, he, Herbert wasn't even going to look like he was going to start, and he still did it. And we got a, a perfect little transition here, a fun little Herbert stat. Um, again, we have a lot of rookies coming in there doing incredible things. What Justin Herbert did, I, I've never been – honestly, I, even before I researched this and read this article, if you ask me my opinion on Herbert, going to be a good quarterback. I think he's a good – you know, he had a good rookie year. He's got a lot of room to grow. He's going to get better. Um, I didn't realize this. He broke the rookie record for passing yards in 10 games. There have been a lot of NFL rookies. And to be fair, this is one of those records that we've seen. Um, Baker and Joe Burrow might have broken it this year had he stayed healthy the full year. It's because of the the passing trends we've talked about. Yes, the average yards of starting quarterback throws for goes up. Of course, you know, some of those records are going to get challenged. But 10 games he broke the passing yard record. That's that's that's, that's wild. That's special. That isn't uh, that's nothing to sneeze at there. So uh, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. The young quarterback. Let's go to the old quarterback, and not just the old quarterback, but the oldest quarterback, the decrepit quarterback, who somehow is still playing at a Hall of Fame level despite everything against it. Mr. Tom Brady became the only age 38 or higher quarterback to throw for 40 touchdowns in a season. Incredible. Yeah, except that he's 43, so that means he had five-plus years on everyone else in this population, including himself at 42 and 41 and 40 and 39 and 38, and he threw for 40 touchdowns. What the Bucks have been able to do um, has really surprised me. I, there was so much hype before the season about you know him getting back together and Gronk coming down and um, adding Antonio Brown in there in the season, what they're going to be able to do. And I, I thought, yeah, they're going to be a good team. I thought they were a five seed. I, I thought that was perfect. They were going to make yeah. the wild card. They were going to uh, – it didn't shock me that they won a game. Um, that they, you know, I, I picked them over Washington, obviously, in that first round. But I thought that was kind of the end of the line. I didn't think they'd get much beyond that. And – what they were able to do um, is just nuts. And again, I, I hate saying it. Anyone who knows me, I'm a massive Tom Brady hater, um, just purely out of jealousy and spite as a Steelers fan watching this for almost two decades. But I mean, a guy's got to know when to tip his hat, you know, and tip his cap. He, he he's he's something special. And those of uh, those of you out here who are still watching, enjoy the Super Bowl, watching him play. Um, he, I know he has at least one or two more years in him. Maybe the way he has it, maybe it's five. Who knows? But enjoy watching him because I think you are probably watching uh, the greatest quarterback of all time when you just look full picture. Not not most skilled, not most yards, just in that. But um, it's hard to argue with the rings and the fact that he just doesn't seem to have an ability to lose, which is so frustrating. 
10 Super Bowls, man. This is just a 10 bizarre. Super Bowl appearance. It's twice as many as anyone else. That's Again, you can say their system and, you know, and Belichick this. Well, he kind of put that to bed a little bit this year. He went and did something completely different. He's made it. And you just, yeah, 10 Super Bowl appearances. Already has six rings. I just, what? Like... When Tom Brady made his first Super Bowl appearance, LeBron James had scored zero points in the NBA. <laughs> I saw that the other day on Twitter, and I was like, oh, that's good. That's, that's, a good that's, that's nuts. That's and funny. then, uh, yeah, he's he's doing pretty well for himself over there. All right, so well, we talked about Tampa Bay. We got to do got to touch on the other team. The stat to, be, to me is, is interesting, if not the most interesting stat. Um, Travis Kelsey became the first tight end in league history with 1,400 receiving yards. Um, he's a beast. I think it's really interesting um, – Kansas City's seemed a little bit more flexible this year. To be fair, there's a good chunk of the season I didn't. I thought Kansas City was maybe a little overrated, um, winning a lot of you know three point games against subpar teams. But there's something to say about the way Patrick Mahomes that that it factor that Brady has clearly demonstrated now for two decades. Um, uh, Mr. Mahomes clearly has that factor too. He has an ability to pull it out late. He has an ability to um, make things happen. And those two weapons he has in uh, Cheetah and uh, Travis Kelsey, it. it you almost couldn't pick uh, better weapons to go with his kind of play and his kind of arm, a guy who can operate in that 15-yard area in the middle of the field and catch anything near him and Kelsey, um, and then the guy that can just take off down the field and uh, let him unlock the rocket. It's Their offense is still something special to watch. He's He just seems a step above everyone else in terms of his intelligence on the field and then the ability to make any throw, that it feels like... It feels like Mahomes could be. I'm not saying he's going to get to ten Super Bowls. That's insane. But he's he's in his second and he's 25. So it's look, not. A, it's like, on the table still. It's, 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 it hasn't been. Ex, uh, it's not an impossibility. Right. And and I guess what what made Brady so impressive over all these years was when Julian Edelman and Wes Welker were his best receivers. He made that work when they had Aaron Hernandez. Awkward. And Rob, <laughs> and Rob Gronkowski as a two-tight two end, end system, yep. he made that work. When he had Randy Moss for that season, he threw the most touchdowns to Randy Moss that you know, any receiver has ever caught in one season. And so it was that ability to be the quarterback that he needed to be depending on you right. know, you, you can't call Brady a system quarterback because it was never just one system. Like it, that, it was that, was, that was system. the insane thing. And so the thing that strikes me about Mahomes is you could see his game translating to – having any kind of receiver. You know, like, the fact that he has Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, like, they're insane, amazing, incredible weapons. But I think if you were to take him and put him on any team, he elevates the level of those receivers and, you know, fits into that system as well. And that's that's what's incredible to me. Absolutely, no doubt about it. And watching him play is just, it's something special. And again, it's it's fun. Um, And yeah, I would agree. I I think you take... Travis, Kel- I mean, Travis Kelsey's a great tight end, no doubt about it. You take Kelsey and stick him with a, a little, oh, you know what? Let Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey just switch places. Sure. And I think it's very possible that Waller is breaking these records too and doing the things that Mahomes going to elevate whoever's there again, that big body. I'm not saying you replace him with, you know, Joe Schmoff off the street. No, I mean, and Kelsey would still be a good court, uh, good tight end, pardon me, in Oakland, but I don't think Kelsey's breaking records without Mahomes. I don't think. Um, Cheetah's breaking records and getting 200 plus yard receiving first quarters, which still killed me in fantasy. Oh, um, God, the one week to play him, um, the first time, uh, and that's actually very relevant because that's, uh, that's the rematch we're going to see this weekend. Yes. But, uh, anyway, so enough about the good guys. There are four before we get into our little Super Bowl preview, four more, um, we talked about a lot of luck and good things generally, with the mm-hmm. exception of Detroit and Dallas. 
Um, for uh, I'll put them in the unlucky bucket for various reasons. First, New York Jet stats. Unlucky because, well, they're the Jets and because they had Adam Gase as their coach, which seems to be the biggest issue I can uh, possibly imagine. <laughs> Ask Ryan Tannehill how that's going back to Ooh. flashback to the beginning of the episode. No kidding. Um, Frank Gore, though, what he did there. So he extended his lead over Emmett Smith for at least uh, 500 rushing yards in now 16 consecutive seasons. Frank Gore is someone who whenever I get a chance to talk about, I want to because he's not the most special running back. He's not the most talented running back. What he has done, the longevity, frankly, uh, there's people out there like Adrian Peterson who are much, much more talented who would give anything to have the longevity and consistency of Frank Gore. Um, this is just a reminder, just like watching Brady, if Frank Gore isn't done, if he does come back for one more year, um, soak it up and absorb. You're watching something really special, a guy at his age in a league where running backs don't make it to 30, much less than 38 now is where he's at. Um, it's something special. So shout out to Frank Gore. Um, an unlucky team. Good old Atlanta Falcons. Back to the uh, the memes and the 21-3 and this and that and the other thing. Um, Atlanta Falcons this year, eight of their 12 losses were by seven or fewer points. They had a point differential of minus 18. And pro football reference with the uh, formula of minus 18, that's, that's pretty much like a 500 team. They projected them to have 7.6 wins. Um, and somehow they had four. I don't oh. know what it is about the Falcons. In an, in a, I, I, that's uh, Someone somewhere did something to make someone with a higher power mad. I, I don't know. Some, some type of snake bitten thing is going on there. And it just, uh, poor Falcons. Well, I don't really care about the Falcons. Who am I kidding? No, me neither. <laughs> me neither. Um, unlucky um, for those of us who are his fantasy football owners also, the Carolina Panthers. Christian McCaffrey, one of 17 players in the league with three multi-touchdown games. Pretty impressive, you know. So, you know, that's every other team has one. Okay, that's impressive. Yeah, except that he had three multi-touchdown games in the three games he actually played this season. If that dude can just stay healthy, he is still oh just ridiculous. Ridiculous. We, we sit here and again, Derrick Henry, incredible. Dalvin Cook, incredible season. Great running back. I, you give me a healthy Christian McCaffrey and I'm still curious to see what Saquon could do if he had a anything around him and could stay healthy as well. But man, three multi-touchdown games, one of only 17 in the league. Oh yeah. And everyone else pretty much played 15 or 16 games. This guy played three. Just nuts. You're number two of Matt Rule in Carolina, hopefully with the healthy Christian McCaffrey and probably with somebody other than Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. It's going to be super interesting. They and got I'm some weapons. DJ Moore yes. is, 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 is one that he's kind of under the radar and stuff. Yeah. I, I, I am not shocked. I would not be floored at all if we're sitting here a year from now talking about the Panthers potentially being a contender and being in the Super Bowl. That's, that's one of those uh, worst to first candidates that followed the kind of what the Dolphins did this year. Speaking of the Dolphins, um, they averaged 100. I'm sorry. They let up 156 fewer points. It's almost 10 points a game in one season. Um, the folks down in Miami, even though they've had some bumps in the road, I think they finally got on the right track. I, I don't know if they have the right quarterback. I don't know if they have it on offense, but man, what they uh, Brian Flores has that defense doing is nuts. So the last one we're going to wrap up with, someone some sympathy for has been in the news recently. Every quarterback in the NFL history who has thrown for 4,800 yards and 30 touchdowns, there's never been a quarterback that had fewer than seven wins. Well, now there's one. Mr. Watson down in Houston. Oh, what a dumpster fire they're in. Um, we don't even have time to get into all the things wrong with the Texans. And um, hey, Bill O'Brien's a decent coach, but boy, he really screwed them on the uh, GM side. Um, but uh, again, if, for, if anyone's sitting here with uh, him officially uh, requesting a trade recently, 
um, who doesn't see Deshaun Watson as, you know, always whining and stuff. No, go look at the numbers. The dude is putting up crazy numbers without much around him, without a number one target anymore, um, without a real coaching staff, without any real, unfortunately, vision for the franchise that's traded away all of its future draft picks, it seems like. Um, I don't know if he's going to still be there, but I don't blame him for kind of wanting to tap out when you look at those numbers. Well, you mentioned the the numbers that Scary Terry had put up in uh, Washington without a really consistent absolutely uh, quarterback. So you can imagine a guy like uh, a guy like Deshaun Watson there. You can imagine him in a place like Carolina, like what we talked about. You can imagine him. Uh, I don't want to imagine him on the Jets. I don't want to imagine yeah. anybody on the Jets. But there <laughs> there are so many places where you look and you say. Well, you put Deshaun Watson on that team, Ooh. and they get a lot more interesting. And even as a consolation prize, uh, like a, a Matthew Stafford that's also out there and available. There's like, going to be some good quarterbacks this year in the Fraser market. Some stuff's going to move around, and it's going to be very intriguing to see where it lands. But, man, Deshaun Watson. The the, the last offseason, you know, the Colts getting uh, – Brady moving and the Colts getting Phillip Rivers, Phillip Rivers were kind of two of the bigger moves. Again, these yeah. are quarterbacks. There are some guys who are much more in the prime of their career. Who uh, Stafford, some people seem to think, is really old, but – Still a top quarterback, yeah. um, Highland Park's very own here in Dallas area. But anyway, we're going to wrap up. We do need to do a little uh, – we're going to take a quick break and do our quick Super Bowl preview and let you, uh, me and Tyler give you our picks. But I'm going to leave you with this stat. Um, can't wrap up the 2020 season without a brief mention of COVID. Um, COVID this year, no, almost no real home games. There was a couple teams that had some fans for some games. wasn't really a home field advantage this year, um, and the numbers played out. Home teams this year – 127, 128, and one. So a half of a game below 500, which means obviously, conversely, road teams were above 500. First time in modern NFL history when that happened. Um, usually that stat's pretty slanted, closer to a 60 40 split, and we were pretty much right at 50 50. Uh, there were definitely some impacts there. So curious to see um, moving forward some of the trends that popped up this year. Is there going to be any uh, kind of outliers that um, were actually more? based on again i don't think it's necessarily COVID or protocols this that, and the other thing i think it was more of the lack of a home environment because i think there are some teams that really thrived on that and uh, again speaking for my pittsburgh steelers who struggled late in the year when they didn't have that uh that fan base to get behind them when times got rough definitely so we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back to wrap up the show with some super bowl predictions Alrighty, welcome back to diving into data. Our NFL wrap up Super Bowl special show. Um, again, if those of you just joining us, I have the lovely Tyler Kern, our former co-host here on Diving Into Data, graciously joining me today. Thank you again, Tyler, for being here. Man, it's a blast. Happy to be here, TC. I could sit here and talk sports with you all day, man. <sighs> um, unfortunately, I don't think our bosses would be happy if we did that. But um, we do have one more quick segment. We need to wrap up again. As mentioned, this is our Super Bowl special. Well, we got to talk a little bit more Super Bowl. So. Um, again, we talk about data all the time here. You'd think, well, TC probably got eight stats about Super Bowl. I actually don't this time. I just want to talk about the Super Bowl. I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm, it's such a bittersweet moment every year for me as a football fan. Super Bowl is awesome. A, wish my teams were a little closer to being there. Um, B, it sucks that I know that when you watch that, it's pretty much the last football game for, you know, six months, give or take, um, that we're going to see until you start seeing some stuff in training camp, um, late summer. But we do have a very interesting game. Um, I think that we have two teams that have uh, neither one, uh, both be expected to be good, have been good. They've shown some cracks. I don't think either is as invincible as some of their fan bases may seem to think, but the Chiefs and the Bucks is going to be a good game and it's going to be an interesting game. Um, both of them, I think, have uh, slightly underrated defenses. 
Uh, I think when people think about this showdown, it's entirely Brady Mahomes. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it it might end up being heavily on that. But I think that the defenses are actually playing a much bigger uh, role in this. Um, Brady, people overlooked a little bit. Yeah, they had a heck of a game. Um, They made the, you know, they won the NFC title and all that against the Packers. But Brady had three picks. Um, I would actually, this is a stat I should have pulled. I wonder how many people have thrown three picks in a uh, NFC or AFC championship game and been on the winning side. Yeah, that's a really good question. Not many. Um, Brady, for as good as a year he's had, again, he's playing as well as a uh, a 316-year-old can, but um, uh, a 43. Sorry, pardon me. I misread that. Um, We're not that far away from that age, by the way. (laughs) That's true, man. Trust me. Look at the hair every day in the mirror, and I'm reminding myself of that. Um, But... Uh, what Brady is going to be able to do against that Chiefs defense that has some playma- playmakers on it, um, I could definitely see some game-changing plays from that Chiefs secondary. Um, Honey Badger flying in, making a big play, yeah. pick six, um, something like that, because I, I don't think that the Chiefs are going to make those same mistakes. Um, yeah, though they might have a turnover here, a turnover there. Mahomes isn't perfect by any means, but I feel very confident that if Brady somehow throws three picks this game, that they will not wind up on the right side. But what are your thoughts? What are you looking for in the game? What are you excited about? What I'm excited to see is the pass rush of the Chiefs, because that's going to be a big thing. When Brady has lost in the past, especially in Super Bowls, and I think in particular those Giants teams, it was always because those teams could get pressure with four and drop seven into coverage, and they didn't need to try to fool them or anything like that. They just needed Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck. O.C. Umanura. O.C. Umanura. Guys like that to get pressure without having to blitz anybody or try to confuse him or whatever because he's going to outthink that. He's going to find the hot route, things like that, if he knows that you're bringing extra pressure. But if you're able to get pressure with the front four. And so I'm going to watch that for the Chiefs in addition to, you know, like we could sit here and just wax lyrically about how wonderful Mahomes and Brady are, but everybody already knows that. (laughs) And so that's... That's going to be a big matchup to me. And then can the Chiefs find any balance on offense, like what we were talking about earlier? Um, does the threat of the pass that they always have open up any running lanes that allows them to have some longer drives, keep Tom Brady off the field a little bit more, uh, utilize Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the rookie running back from LSU? Um, those are things that I'm going to be watching for specifically. The line is three and a half. Um, for the Chiefs, so it is. What's uh? I, we'll we'll jump into the prediction. We'll talk a yeah, little more. Yeah. What's the what do you what are you thinking though? Uh, uh, how about um, give us your take on the money, and then give us we'll do the final score prediction at the very end here. If, if Twenty dollars. I'm handing it to you, saying put it down one side or the other. Where are you going? I'm going Chiefs. You're going Chiefs. I'm, I'm going like, I'm going Chiefs. <laughs> The, the first meeting between these two teams, while I don't think it means a ton because the Chiefs got out to just such a huge lead and Tyreek Hill had just such an incredible first quarter, it it did show just how explosive the Kansas City offense can and, and can be and is on a regular basis. And I just, I, I have a hard time imagining, even with all the weapons at his disposal uh, and the incredible feat that it is that Brady's even in the Super Bowl, I have a hard time imagining them being able to go, you know, pace for pace with the Chiefs in a game like this. That's very fair, and I don't disagree at all. It's uh, I I could I I completely agree. The Chiefs front four and being able to get consistent pressure without having to commit extra folks in the box um, is going to be critical. Because you're right, you you bring extra pressure, you bring too many guys in the box, and that's where the brain of Tom Brady will absolutely pick you apart. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, and we know he has the horses to do it. Um, Godwin Evans and Antonio Brown, um, not to mention Gronk, not to mention Cameron Brait, um, Scotty Miller's had that. They they have plenty of weapons. Ronald yeah. Jones and Leonard Fournette in the backfield. 
They got plenty of horses to run. That's not a concern. Thing I'm interested to see too, and you also mentioned, I think my my key to the game, if I had to pick one thing, is that Chiefs running game. Earlier in the season, the Chiefs had a couple games where they they stayed committed to the run. Mm-hmm. Um, Ceh had a couple hundred yard games early. Um, they've been able to mix it up. If assuming it sounds like Le'Veon will be healthy, is there as a change of pace? Daryl Williams be back there as a different change of pace. Um, uh, I think that they need to run the ball though. I think if they rely, I th- the Bucks secondary. I think Winfield's going to play. He's supposed to be back. Mm-hmm. Um, th- they have a couple playmakers. No, again, I don't think anyone fully stops Mahomes and the the Chiefs offense. But I think they could probably slow him down enough if they get one-dimensional. If we're going to go back to this balance thing, this episode is going to be a nice big circle that the Chiefs have to stay balanced. I think the Bucs will. Um, with Ron, I, I think Jones and Fournette will get enough touches to kind of keep the Chiefs' defense honest on that front. Um, but if the Chiefs get too pass-happy, they rely too much um, on – if pretty much they put it on Mahomes too much. Mahomes and then athleticism outside, if that's what they're banking on, um, it won't be great. Um, and again, I think we got two great coaches. I think Bruce Arians and Andy Reid are um, two of the best coaches in the league. Yeah, um, really interested to see the mashup of the minds there. Um, I think these have great coaching staffs. You know, Byron Leftwich, I think, is a good coordinator. I think that Eric Bieniemy at Kansas City is a great coordinator. You have Definitely. a lot of really good coaching minds. Um, some of which, frankly, it's like Bieniemy. It's absolutely absurd to me that the guy does not have a head coaching job yet, and it looks like another year is going to go by without him getting one. That's just mind numbing to me. Unbelievable. Um, uh, th- he has pretty good guy vouching for him saying that yes he has uh, Mahomes has Andy Reid and Andy Reid's a great offensive mind but both when Andy Reid and uh, Patrick Mahomes are both saying that this is absurd that this guy doesn't have another job I would listen but no one asked me um, so that's all right but <laughs> that's why we have a podcast that's exactly right you just so, say it and saying, who's gonna hold us accountable about it. yeah exactly <laughs> um, but I, I would agree with you I, I'd take the Chiefs three and a half so my, my final score I'm gonna go with I'm actually I, I think it's gonna be um, a little bit more low scoring than people think. I think it, Super Bowls tend to do this. They, they, some of the hype, um, kind of wears off. I don't think we're going to see a repeat of the Chiefs putting up 300 yards in the first quarter again. <laughs> My final score I'm going to go with is 27 to 21. Ooh, Chiefs over. I think we're going to have a fairly, a decently low scoring. I think Brady's going to put up a couple points. Um, I think it might come down to not too dissimilar than last year. Um, at the end, Mahomes just a little too much, and I think the game ends probably with the Chiefs having enough of a run game to run the clock out and Mahomes on a knee. That's what I see happening. Interesting. I do think it's going to be a bit of a shootout. I'm going 38-31. Okay, so, okay, so that was that was where my head points. was. Okay. I, yeah, I, I do think that there's going to be a bit of a back and forth. I think it might start slow. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half, I think you see a, a bit of an explosion of points. And so that's what I'm that's what I'm looking for. I got to see it. I, I think the Chiefs are going to be able to dictate I think the Chiefs are going to be able to dictate which of these it is, and mm-hmm. I, I think the, I think we both agree the Chiefs are probably the better team. Chiefs are probably going to win. I don't think either of us is going to be floored if the Bucks somehow pull it off, especially just because I mean it's Brady. It's Brady. Yeah. Um. But uh. Anyway, I, I do think that I think the Chiefs might uh, uh almost maybe to a point of uh, uh hurting themselves, but I think they're going to be stubborn with the run. Um. I think that the gaps that the Bucks have shown, and when teams are able to keep the Bucks off balance and not let them just tee up the pass rush, mm-hmm. um, JPP still got uh, they still got some pass rushers down there. Um, when they're able to do that, um, if Levante David can't be incredibly effective in the middle of that defense, I, I think that the Chiefs are going to be able to run it consistently enough, and they're going to bleed the clock. I think it's going to be one of those games that you're going to look up like uh, you know five minutes left in the third quarter and kind of say like. Where's this game gone? Like, you know, like uh, I know the weekend popped in here and sang a couple songs in the middle of this. But other than that, like kind of feels like it should be the end of the first quarter, not halfway through the third. So I I think it's gonna be a good game. I'm excited for it. Um, 
And uh, any final words on the game, Mr. Kern? Uh, my only big concern about picking the Chiefs to win is they do have that tendency to fall behind and just make a couple of mistakes early, yep. like they did in the Bills game. They yep. handed them that nine-point lead, basically. Uh, McCole Hardeman muffing the punt on like the two. Um, I don't think you can make those kinds of mistakes against Brady. I agree. Because they will take advantage of it more than the Bills were able to, and that I, I at least think that they will. So that being the case, you can't come out and start maybe as slowly as they have in the past because you're up against a team with some formidable weapons themselves. So absolutely, I, I I agree. At the end of the first quarter, if the Bucks are up, it's an entirely different game. If it's yep. about even, or the Chiefs are up, you know, three seven something like that. I think it goes pretty much according to script in my head, at least what it is. Um, but yes, uh, no muff punts, no uh, an ill time turnover, um, something like that could really change it. But definitely. Well, this has been our Super Bowl special here on diving into data. I want to give again a huge thanks and shout out to. Uh, my former co-host, good friend, and uh, fellow talking head, uh, Mr. Tyler Kern. Thank you, Mr. Kern. Appreciate you being here, buddy. You are welcome. I accept payment in beer. Okay. I, that I can make happen. That's about the only <laughs> currency I seem to have left. So for those of you at home, we appreciate you joining us. Hope you guys enjoy the game. Hope everything's going well. And until next time, see ya. See ya.